Welcome to the MUX Podcast. Today is a special episode where me and my co-host Anne Otran Heather reminisce about all the songs we've covered so far in the last few months. Uh, say hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Hello. Um, normally, this is where I would say uh, something along the lines of uh, this show is made for fans, by fans. Um, but today we have a very special guest with us, uh, lead singer himself, Jonas Bjerg. Hey there. Thanks for um, having me. You're welcome. Th- thanks for joining us. I think <laughs> cool yeah. you could um, could come. Um, now to start off, uh, I just really want to know, like, what's the worst question you've ever gotten in an interview? <laughs> uh, this one. I come, I, out, I, I, come out the gate swinging. Yeah, God. Yeah. I don't know if I can remember an exact question, but I think some questions are really lazy. Like they they will really make you do all the uh the thinking like a question like what does music mean to you mm-hmm. you know or something like that you know which is such a floaty weird question that nobody could really fully answer you know um okay hang on. Like i need that. to delete like yeah. half a page here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know sometimes sometimes a journalist just isn't really well prepared doesn't really know the band or or the story and uh and then you get questions like that, and it's just kind of, oh, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel you though at that point. I feel like I've seen a, quite a few interviews by now, and uh, sometimes I'm right. like, okay, whatever, I'll just stop this interview. I've heard all these questions before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I usually try to. I try to get something fun out of it, even if it's a boring question, you know. But uh, sometimes mm-hmm. you can't really. Yeah. Um, guys, I think we have to scrap that one five six question now. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah, delete, delete, delete. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, um, so yeah, as you can tell, it's a bit of a, a laid back episode. Um, we're roughly just gonna take us take you listeners through on a little bit of a recap of each song. Um, mm-hmm. I guess we're starting with Rye, the uh, first episode of our podcast. Yeah. Um, are you still writing songs on like based on Rye in the way that like Kites was written on that? At least I believe I, you've mentioned uh, mm, it a few times that Kites have been yeah. heavily inspired by it or the way you wrote Kites. I just think that, you know, Fringers was a bit of like, it was a more straightforward album in some ways than Kites was. It wasn't quite as jammed up. And uh, we just really liked how Rye turned out. And I think we just wanted to try to make more songs that encompassed all these ideas and and the things that are sort of unique to the band you know uh, i don't really think anything on kite sounds like rye it, it is very much its own thing but uh it definitely kind of led the way to like the the ambition to do something a little bit more complex and unusual i think do you have like a, a special relationship with the song as it stands today it is. It is de- definitely one of my favorite songs that we've ever done. Uh, it's 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 a weird arrangement. It, it was really awkwardly put together somehow. Um, like it didn't really fit. It was kind of like, you know, cutting parts of the puzzle out to to make them fit together all the pieces. You know, but uh, it's not not just how you I write music it, these days, or all all the time. It, it's, <laughs> I think we always try to we always try to change the uh, the approach um, because you know someone said like the definition of insanity is is uh, doing the same thing 
over and over and expecting different results, you know. And and we definitely mm-hmm. don't want to repeat ourselves too much. So mm-hmm. we kind of we kind of try to go new directions on every song if we can. But obviously there are some pairings that that you know that make sense. I mean, it's as good an answer as any. It's better than the question I I wrote down here. <laughs> Should probably have rewritten that a little bit. It's better than asking, uh, what does music mean to you? Yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, music means different things to different people, Heather. No, sorry, that's <laughs> a very uh, inside quote. That's that's the sarcasm right there. Yeah. Yeah. This is where it begins. Yep. Yeah. I guess like we also kind of started our podcast on that song um, for many of the same reasons. Um, we didn't have you, Heather, on that uh, that specific episode. Do you have any special is like special relation to the song other than th- since you weren't there? I mean, um, thanks for putting me on the spot. Appreciate you. Um, <laughs> not, not. I mean, <laughs> there's just I just feel like there's no like way to say not anything in particular. I guess you were you were a late bloomer and in, in, as such. So I was. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Right, I, I yeah. didn't I didn't find the band until like 2011. Mm-hmm. Early 2011, so yeah, I sort of had to absor- absorb a lot of information at once um, because you know as soon as I started listening, I was like, "Wow, I really like what I hear," and then like I kind of just like crammed all this new music into my brain without really being able to process it the way you guys might have been able to, like mm-hmm. at, at a at a slower right. pace, mm-hmm. being able to kind of like yeah. taste everything. Whereas like I kind of just like stuffed all these songs in my brain. Yeah, that's a lot to take in at once. Yeah. Mm. Sure, which, like, I, I don't, obviously, I don't regret it at all, you know, but that might be why you guys have special, you know, anecdotes to, to songs, whereas I don't. Yeah. Well, that's mm. fair enough. Yeah, I also think, like, invariably, each song is kind of tied in with the, the time that you you heard it. And, and for me, when we played it and recorded it, you know, it, it's uh, it kind of it grows on you in different ways and, and you, you kind of understand it in a different way. I mean, for, for like a song like one five, six has changed so much over the years that yeah. I, when I, when I go back and listen to the albums, I'm kind of surprised that, that they're so different, you know? Yeah. It's very different, especially from obviously the first version that you made and, and you even changed yeah. the live version from the album version. So from the French's version, I mean, so yeah, but yeah. So I, yeah. I mean that um, that song must be the song that's changed the most, right? Throughout the years that you yeah. made. Yeah, I mean we we did, we we did play the uh, the half the world version live back then, but uh, I mean mm-hmm. that that whole intro thing is very weird and awkward. Yeah, <laughs> especially live, it was kind of it it was kind of weird. Yeah, was that played on the Spanish we, guitar live as well? Uh. No, I think just electric guitar, and obviously without the girl choir, so it's right. just me. But I think we we skipped it pretty early on. We we're like, this is not working for okay. the live show. Right. So right. we just started right on the the first verse. Yeah. Are you sick of playing it? No, I am. I'm not. I mean, I I guess I don't enjoy playing this the super old song so much in in rehearsal spaces but uh mm-hmm. once we're on a stage and you kind of have the reaction from the audience and yeah. it's it's i'm never sick of it you know mm-hmm. yeah okay 
So do you have that sort of feeling about all of your songs when you're playing them live where if you may be personally tired of the song, when you see the reaction of the audience, it, it sort of brings it back together? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, I just remember seeing that uh, live clip from it when you played it in, in Mexico a few years ago. That was, right. uh, I think that was the first show in Mexico ever or something like that. And the crowd was like just like a boy band concert. They went crazy. It's so loud. <laughs> Well, Mew yeah. is a boy band. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think uh, we played in Mexico the first time in 2009. I don't know if if that was then you're thinking of. Yeah, um, I think it was then. Yeah. yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, it was just so Yeah, it, so was, it was... Mexico is one of the places where we just... We, we'd never been, then we went, and then it was just crazy from from the get-go, you know, mm-hmm. very overwhelming. Oh, those Mexican fans have been ca- campaigning for that for years. Yeah. yeah. I was just yeah. going to say, Mexican funders are a league of their own. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And they come to a lot of the American shows as well. And, yeah. you know, oh, and yeah. European yeah. shows even. So, uh, yeah. Shout out yeah, to definitely. Mexican fringers out there. Gana, <laughs> um, you mentioned like um, how ch- songs change over time. We actually kind of brought that up on our Sinsai episode, which is oh, now yeah. skipping the second episode, which is introducing Palace players. But let's let's just continue with this thread. Because um, Sinsai obviously changed quite a lot from, well, all the way back from the original demo to Triumph for Man. And then yeah. that was a Half the World is Watching Me version and something in between that. And, and then like the Fringers. I don't remember how many versions there are. <laughs> I, think we count, I think we counted six. Yeah, I think so. Right. Wow. Right. I, <laughs> it's a crazy amount. <laughs> that and was all very much different. Very different. Yeah. I mean, that was such a weird song to begin with and and it was kind of like it was just it was kind of one of my songs and it, it was I just made a demo of it and then uh I remember people were like very surprised by it but some of the people at the label at the time they were like that's it, that's the single and we were like oh, oh. wow oh okay really yeah maybe maybe you know. <laughs> okay and, uh, yeah. and then that became our first single but i don't think it's you know i like that song especially because our first album is is kind of a we're still finding our footing a lot and yeah. you can sort of tell a little bit that we listen a lot to some like bands like the swirlies but a song like that is really sort of like Nobody knows where the hell that came from, you know, and I just, yeah. I like that about it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there was also uh, the lyrics changed throughout. So I guess the, yeah. the question was like, how, like, what was, like, we, we talked about it at some point, I think, in uh, before recordings or something. There, um, actually, there was the second verse in which we kind of had this back and forth on what the lyric oh, yeah. was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I remember that, yeah. Do you remember I, I, what it is? So, yeah, I do. I, I, so it was never written anywhere online, I guess. I, it is, no. uh, you must conjure up a moment in time wherein mountains high are easy to climb. Wow. Whoa. Okay, so I was, I was very wrong. Who's writing that down? <laughs> <laughs> so, We've got it on recording, yeah. haven't we? I'm pretty impressed that I, I mean, I, I'm... I'm impressed with myself that I remember that, actually. Yeah, I can't believe you can remember that. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I was the most drunk there. Uh, I, was, uh, <laughs> I, was sh- I was 100% sure you were singing something about Sinsai. Right, right. How funny was it 
for you to listen to us go back and forth on what you were saying. It was fun. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I would have, I would have probably died of laughter right there and then. Like if it, if it was my band and my song, I would have been like, "All oh, these poor kids." <laughs> no, it's been really They'll fun. Never I, know I the just truth. you know. I just put it on my phone and I walk around with headphones and, uh, you know, outside and, and just oh. listen and smile and laugh. And it's like, uh, <laughs> it's really cool. All right. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, how come there were so many different versions of it? Was it like a label thing? They wanted you to make a different version for Frangers? So how was the reason for making like a new version each time? I think it must have been. I remember that we had one phone call once as we were doing Fringers. We had a phone call from like the the sort of head of of A and R at Sony. He wasn't the guy who signed us, but uh, he was a great guy. He's called Muff Winwood. He's the brother of, of Stevie Winwood, uh, mm. who's a recording artist. And he was very much so like you have to record these songs, and we were, and we didn't really want to record. Uh, we didn't really want to record King Christian. And um, and Mika and uh, Chintai, because mm-hmm. we didn't want those to be. We didn't feel like they belonged on this album, right? So we were a little bit sort of uh, made to record them. Not really, but we sort of agreed to record them, and then we sort of presented the whole album to the label and said, "These songs don't belong. We could we could use them as B sides or whatever you want, but they're not. We sh- they shouldn't be on the album." And thankfully, they they agreed with us. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, those those are the sort of uh, naive pop songs uh, our friend Damon Tatunjin always called. He has like they they're in the category called the shame of Mew. You know, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, but I really I really I like all the songs. You know I don't yeah they they're just kind of a different aspect of what we can do together. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, uh, even though they're not on the album, it's fun to have like. Uh, good b-sides to listen to as well you have so many you have such a huge back catalog of b-sides and demos that we all can listen to it's fun to delve into the whole universe yeah yeah definitely would you ever consider releasing b-sides on its own like special album or yeah maybe i mean a lot of the b-sides that we put out while we were still signed uh to epic in in the uk they had this. They have this crazy thing in, in in England. I don't know if they have it anymore, actually. But it was all about the the single chart, you know. So mm-hmm. one thing they would do is like when you put out a single, they'd put out four different versions of the of the CD, and uh, each of them would have a different B side. So oh. this oh, was wow. like I'd always have this conversation. Like they'd call me like, "So uh, do you guys have like six or seven songs just lying around <laughs> that you haven't used for anything recorded and everything?" <laughs> like, no, of course we don't. <laughs> like if we did, we'd have sent it to you. Yeah. So a lot of those B sides were just kind of like, "Okay, we need it tomorrow," and oh we'll wow, just, you know, oh, wow. and we just <laughs> go in and do something, and or sometimes just me. Uh, you know, I remember. I recorded a B-side the day before we we were going to play Ross Kilda and I had no idea what to do and I just like took I to had a guitar and and some drums and stuff and I just put it together in like uh in a few hours actually you know wow so which uh, song is this there's the one called like uh, like chaser oh right oh, yeah. okay yeah so now, now going back to uh, Jintai for a bit uh and also you know King Christian and 
she came up for Christmas, they they changed a lot, and they didn't just change the structure, but also uh, the lyrics. Right. Uh, King Christian had the king's rap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Chinta got an extra verse, and you made the ending of uh, Christmas more, let's just say, family friendly. Yeah. Um, can yeah. you talk a bit about the reasons behind those changes? I think, you know, on some songs, it was like creative decisions, like on 156, uh, which kind of ch- the whole nature of the song changed quite a lot. Uh, and uh, on some, it was, I remember the first time we changed Christmas was when we did the version with Casper uh, Winding as producer. And he just said, like, you, you, the, you, if you sing that, it's not going to be played on the radio. Mm-hmm. And and we were like, well, we can't, then they have to bleep it out. And he's like, they're not going to do that. They're just not going to play it. Yeah, and so we 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 agree to to redo it, and then I also think it is it's a song that has kind of like a very dark undertone to it. Like uh, it's it's sort of like a romantic Christmas song, but underneath there's a really dark side to it. And I think that when you're young, you can sort of you can you can kind of use subject matter like that in in a sort of more free way and then when you get older you kind of feel like this is uh you know you have to be careful approaching subject matter like that and i i'm i'm i've been asked about that song a lot uh by people that who for to whom it means a lot you know and um it's it's such a you know it's not an autobiographical song but I, more than that, I can't really say about it, except that, yes, it is kind of, you know, it, it does have a dark, it has some dark subject matter in it. Um, yeah. And I think it's, that, it's you know... It's a cool way of saying it. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, if... if it comes if, with age, the responsibility and, like, the yeah. knowledge of what that means when, exactly, whilst yeah. when you're young, you definitely don't know what it means. Yeah. yeah. Never yeah. thought of it like that. That's a cool way. But, you know... I don't know. I think if we'd written it today, we would have been more careful with the approach to it, you know. And mm. so, because yeah. I mean, the the old version is so straightforward at the end. It's a little bit, yeah, maybe slightly insensitive, you know, in a way. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we were doing that episode, we kind of talked about whether or not that was sort of intentional, for, not not necessarily mm. for shock value, but to sort of kind of uh communicate the the weight of the song yeah because you don't use an expletive in any of the other songs just this one no so i wasn't sure if maybe it was you know we thought about maybe it was just being a little bit younger a little bit more naive on how to approach such such a subject or whether it was for like poetic weight if i think it was I think it was like a, a kind of a punk rock attitude, mm. like you know, we took we we took it seriously, absolutely, but uh, also we wanted to maybe kind of just put a knife in it at the end, you know, or something mm. like that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Okay. Right. Huh. And what about the rap in King Christian? Can you uh-huh. give us a little, a few? <laughs> I think to that get was, the subject matter a little bit lighter. It was definitely my idea to write a song about King Christian. Um, okay. And I have no idea why, but uh, I, it was also my idea that that Damon should should rap on it. <laughs> and I I remember that 
it was a lot of people we had lots of discussions about this and and when we did the the reprint of half the world i'm pretty sure we cut it out so it's only on the first version i think there are four different versions of half the world each each of them have like a different color in the middle of the cd right yeah so you know because we i think we yeah we there's so many versions of everything <laughs> i don't know just just because so you're talking about like the original printing yeah not the reprinting well it was printed and put out in denmark and then we got signed to playground who then put it out in sweden and it was a different like it was a different print and then we definitely took out the wrap i think and then we got signed to sony and then we kind of had to sort of get get the like we had this new deal so we we had to break our deal with with the sweden and that was a little bit awkward and i don't know i just there are so many different versions of everything i i don't remember where they all come from you know mm-hmm. i remember in portugal for some reason they put out a version of frenders where comforting sounds is the first song on the album what huh. yeah Oh yeah, I remember and, seeing that. Yeah, that's and I have, I, like I it starts with the radio really, edit and ends with the full. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the radio edit. Yeah. Wow. And uh, stuff, stuff like that. There's lots of weird things like that, you know. Huh. Where you just go like, why? why yeah. <laughs> how did that happen? What's the reason behind that? That's so random. Yeah. Yeah. I still have my um, a funny misprint. Oh right. The. I remember there was a callback on it and everything. I was sitting there and like, like am I am I really gonna go and return it or send it back? And yeah, thought, no, I'll I'll keep it for one. Yeah, I have a misprint of well. uh, I have a misprint of uh, the Normal Stories uh, LP. Oh yeah, um, which uh, where, yeah, because the uh, the the um, on the on the vinyl disc itself is the wrong way around. The, the song the track list is is wrong. Oh yeah, oh, okay. So yeah, oh. so it always confuses me. I always put on the wrong song. Yeah, yeah. It never begins with neutral. So it's, it starts with nervous. No, no. Oh, it, it starts with uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's it's just on the one. It's it's the two discs. It's just on the first one. I believe it starts mm. with is it beach maybe? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So it's just that. the writing on the on the vinyl itself. Yeah, just on one of them. Yeah. Right. I don't know if it's mm. uh, like a common, if it's a well-known error or what it is, but maybe it's just a mine. No, I've, no I've never heard about that. I've right. That might be worth a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is what is the misprint on the extra funny? I can't remember. Is it the cover or? It's the it's the cover with the. Um, I'm sitting here with it here. Yeah. Isn't it just Johan? I think I think you got Johan yeah. in there, but he wasn't in the band at that point. You what, know, it was wasn't it just only Johan though? Like I think. The, the thing only showed him, ah. not everybody else. Is it Johan and right. Bo? Or like, yeah, some, some mix yeah. like that. Because yeah. I didn't have it, but then it's... I visited Copenhagen and one of my friends there had it and she was like, here, you can just have this. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I I did, definitely did a morph of everyone together as one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think I did like graduals of everything that they could make into this thing. I didn't think it, it looked... I didn't think it worked completely, you know. I th- yeah, I was a bit disappointed with. I I mean, it's pretty cool, but it, I thought it would be more sort of there would be more changes happening when you when you turned it. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, right. But uh, such is life. Oh, I see it now. Well, sometimes yeah. the idea is better in your head than in what comes out. It just happens. Yeah. Story yeah, exactly. of my life. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> as it as an artist and a writer, one hundred percent. Yep, <laughs> that's a mood. Mm. Yeah. But you made the uh, the. I, I always wondered who made the the front for that. But I guess I got the answer now. Sweet. Cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's me. That's <laughs> <laughs> cool. It was a. Uh, the the picture itself was uh, done by Casper um, Siasen, I think he he photographed us all, and then I did okay. the morph. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of work doing morphs. I imagine oh, so. Yeah. I mean, it looks it really very, nice. Very, mit- very meticulous. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, you have to line up the nice. eyes and nose and mouth. And... The hair, the hair was the hardest part because oh, we yeah. all have different like the, oh, yeah, the yeah. you know the where the hair splits and everything and it just became kind of a mess. But it did, looks kind of Did you cool. have to do like haircuts to make make it match like before no, you did photo shoot then? No, I think that I I we purposely all had our hair sort of slicked back so mm. that at least that would kind of fit, you know. Cool. Um so introducing palace players. Right. What a song. Um we have like one question. Yeah. Sure. And and you might be the best one to, to ask it, because you might be the best to explain what the question actually is. Right. So in the printed lyrics there is a line in the song that it's not that's missing and nobody knows exactly what it is. And right. we're wondering if you could clarify what that line is. Yeah, is it uh the first thing I sing, actually, when I yeah. start singing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think, I, I'm, I'm not really. I kind of just make it up on the spot. Uh, but I think that uh, I had like at some point we had some characters like names that would kind of kind of return, uh, and one of them is uh, Sammy from. Um, Oh, what's it called? One of the B-sides. Swimmer's Chant? Yeah, exactly. Sammy. So I think I sing something like, uh, Oh, Anna and Sammy too. I think that's why I'm singing on the recording. Oh, Oh, Anna and Sammy too. Okay. And it was like a kind of, it was going to be a a sort of love story between those two. And then it ended up being something completely different. So, Okay. For some reason, I just kept I just kept that, and because it didn't really, it wasn't really part of the lyric lyrical concept. I I think I chose not to write it. I I'm not sure, or maybe it just didn't get r- written. Hmm. <laughs> okay. That's okay. a really lame answer, isn't it? But, uh, <laughs> well, that yeah. that that solves That's... the mystery. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well. You heard I think, it here, I folks, think we guys. discussed it, yeah. Exclusive. We, we discussed it previously, and and I think we you got that question before, but you just kind of gave the the first line of the song. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, I think Tarot asked it. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, something like that. Oh, right. Yeah, uh, that might so have been on know. purpose. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Trolling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've got it. <laughs> That's a wrap. <laughs> All right. well, I, didn't I, we, I don't think we have we... much else on that one, do we? Oh. Sorry, Heather. Oh no, I was just gonna say, wasn't there a, the the question in the episode as well of the actual title? We we had speculated. I can't quite remember. Yeah, we we had we had our uh, we we know that Demon Tatanjan uh, called you guys the Monkey Palace players, right? Yes, that's true. Uh, uh-huh. In one of my little films, he called us that. Yeah, that's oh. right. Uh, 
I think that that was another conceptual thing that we wanted this, you know, we kind of re- wanted to reimagine ourselves as a different band. A little bit like when the Beatles uh, introduced the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band. Oh, you know? okay. But cool. uh, not cool. not that we thought about the Beatles, but I think that was kind of the idea that this would be what we sounded like if we were this other band called mm. the Palace Players. You know, mm. oh, not wow. th- I don't uh, I don't know why it wasn't the Monkey Palace Players at the end, but just Palace Players. I can't yeah. remember. Okay. But we just liked we liked uh, Damon's uh, idea of that. Yeah. <laughs> palace players has a nice flow yeah, to it. Cool yeah. monkey yes, palace players. Yeah, is, um, the alliteration like a is nice too. too many. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Never mind. Like, obviously, we haven't covered the song yet. Right. But was that also part of the reason why you decided to do the whole hypnosis thing with repeater beater? Like, the, I remember you you did that video. Yeah. Um, with the hyp- hypnosis session, I believe that's a. That's a real hypnosis session, right? It's not yeah. like part of it is set up, I imagine, but part of it was real. It, it was supposed to be real. I mean, it, it is real because it also is, I kind of exposed in it that it wasn't really working, yeah. at least not not entirely. Um, we were supposed to have this really famous uh, hypnotist. Hip, hypnoti- the reason we wanted to do it is like we wanted to sort of document what it would be like to be hypnotized and then listening to our own music you know not knowing that it was our own music mm. and then you know we were kind of hoping that someone would be like oh this is really shit or whatever <laughs> it would just be funny it would be yeah. funny to have like our own honest opinion on it um yeah so that was the 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 premise and then we we went there but then the guy actually had a i think he had a stroke the day before oh. or the two, couple of days before oh so we had to get someone else and and this guy i mean he was he was cool and all but he wasn't used to doing that kind of hypno, hyp, hypnosis uh, okay. so it i i definitely felt the effects of it and i got I got really heavy but i wasn't in a in a state of mind where i, I was completely unaware of my surroundings um, and i don't think anyone else was too okay so you know it you know, but I think they got something really great out of it, and I I kind of like that it's that it has that the part where I just go like I'm I'm sorry I, I can't. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, it's I really funny. I, I, yeah, I can't keep up this charade because he was asking me to do silly things that I would feel embarrassed about, mm. and so mm-hmm. I I kind of just I kind of blew his his cover, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, cause cause you're still yourself, right? When you're being giving suggestions. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, if it really works well, you can, I mean, he can make you do anything and you won't remember, you don't, you don't even remember, you're completely unaware, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. So, oh, that sort of thing freaks me out. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen, uh, this is a total, ten- have you ever seen Darren Brown live? No, no. He's a famous oh, hypnotist. I- yes. Yeah, and like showman and. He has yeah. a show on Netflix. Anyway, I've... Which is really good. Several, I think. Yeah. It's pretty extreme. Right. Like, yeah. He, yeah. But yeah, uh, me and me and the missus uh, went, we've seen a couple of shows with him and uh, he always does this. He, he generally, he, he tries to be a, like, he wants to debunk mystery, like people who f- use it for, for, for bad, right? And he wants right. to do it for good yeah. sort of thing. And he will usually do like a hypnotize the crowd sort of moment. Right. Where everyone will be standing up and then he'll 
like swing a massive thing on stage to like hypnotize everyone right but obviously you, you can kind of just decide not to do it um but obviously the, the as, as people kind of drop out the the everyone just kind of sits down and suddenly you just find a few people standing up here and there in the in the theater and uh, yeah it always freaks me out because obviously my missus she's just into it she's like yes i'm gonna i'm gonna just do this <laughs> yeah I'll lift your arm and she's just like arm in air and like okay <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. I can't. I can't let myself uh, get well, there, into there's that. There's something it, very yeah, scary ugh, about the creeps. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> um, allowing yourself to lose control, like that, that yeah, scares absolutely. a lot of people. I was, we were all really uh, kind of nervous about it, uh, and mm-hmm. I, as, I remember as the the kind of effect of it kicked in, I felt myself getting really heavy. I was like, "Oh my god, am I going to disappear now? Will I even be the same person when I come out of it?" You know. Yeah. But uh, but I didn't get, we didn't go that we we didn't get that deep with it. Unfortunately, I would have liked to, to have tried that, you know. But uh, maybe some other time. Yeah. So you would be up for doing it again? Yeah, I think it's it's very fascinating, definitely. Because mm-hmm. I, I think I have a question somewhere in the very bottom that didn't fit anywhere, which was like. Do you ever listen to this band called Mew? Like, mm-hmm. what you what you think of like their old stuff versus like their new stuff? Do I do I ever listen to? Yes, to to <laughs> to the older stuff. Or, or yeah, I'm sorry. yeah, yeah. Suppose, yeah. Um, you know, you know, there's this cliche of like when when you listen to a band that's existed for a long time, uh, people tend to like love the old stuff, and yeah. despise the new stuff, right? Right, and yeah. Um, I do, like I guess I'm turning the question around and be like so do do you ever listen to first of all do you listen to your own music and uh, well do you have an opinion on like the old stuff versus the new stuff um but I guess that's that's like a, a weird question to ask the, uh, I, the creator yeah. I think that it's it's kind of common for musicians to say like well I you know I like the newest stuff the best and blah blah you know but I think that um to me like each album is 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 its own thing and I don't think that we we're getting better you know I think it's a weird thing to say like oh we just get better and better I think that the songs just are what they are on their own terms and and mm. they kind of belong to to the time they were made in so yeah you know I think that they all have their own thing going for it and and you know the very first album we did when I listen to it occasionally I I find some of it quite naive but I find some of it really sort of interesting and and i i can't figure out how we came up with that at that time you know so i just it it's it's uh you know i don't think that anything is inherently good or bad really i think it's it's all about the people who listen to it and 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 the you know how they feel about it and i think the music kind of keeps growing in the consciousness of of people you know Mm-hmm. as it's being put out in the world it must be really cool to have like those old songs to listen to and like go back in time because because you wrote some of those songs maybe when we were still teenagers i guess so it must be yeah, sure. kind of cool to it's like a time machine kind of if you go back and listen to how you were and and listen to it how good it actually was like you made some really great songs when you were really young so that must be really cool to oh, have thank that you thing. yeah yeah one thing that always strikes me is like how I, I hold the notes as you know as shortly as I possibly can on all the old like 
it's kind of like I just wanted to sing the word and that's it. I never, I never like hold the notes. Uh, mm. yeah. At least in some songs, I'm kind of fascinated with hearing huh. that because now, now I kind of hold the notes longer. Okay, but I, I think I really just. I don't know. I think that's just my approach to it, and I think I I wanted to see my, I wanted to see my voice as just another instrument. I didn't want it to be expressive, really. I just wanted it to be an instrument, like a keyboard, or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. you didn't want that to so be what people focused on. Yeah, I didn't want that. No, I just wanted it's like it was just another instrument mm. to me. You know, right. Which which is such a nice take because a lot of times when we look at bands, you know, we. They're, they're really only known by their singer. Like the one that comes right at me is like Panic at the Disco. Um, which okay, right. I think, I think they're excellent, but it's like no one looks at the full band. They're only right. looking at Brandon Urie. And right. he's the one that's always like at the forefront. So it's kind of like Brandon Urie and the rest of everyone else. <laughs> you know, right. so I, I think I can, you know, I think I can really appreciate, you know, how you don't really want that standalone spotlight yeah i think as i've gotten older i i i've been more prone to sort of i I, i've been wanting to express uh, to be more expressive in my singing you know but but uh in the old days i just wanted it to sound like a keyboard (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't know but yeah i i yeah I, i totally i i want that you know i i like bands where Everyone sort of has an equal mm. place, you know, like and 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 they all each contribute something, you know, equally unique to it. Mm-hmm. Good time as ever to uh, move on then to yeah. um, another song here. So on witness, right? I'm not quite remembering what we discussed in the episode. Uh, I I will admit that right now. But uh, I what I think do I, remember is I having a. I don't a think strong, I heard that. Yeah, one. Sorry. I'm sorry, I don't I don't think I heard that episode, the witness okay. episode. Okay. Right. When I hear that song, I get a sense that there's a lot of nostalgia in the lyrics. Right. Yeah. Like it's some sort of reminiscent song. Yeah. Um so I guess my question is like what what is your relationship with nostalgia? Uh, it's such a strong uh such a strong emotion for me and I think for, for a lot of people. I, I really like music that makes me feel nostalgic um it's it's such a it's such an odd emotion in many ways because it in it's almost like when you reminisce about something in a nostalgic way it's it can almost feel stronger than when it actually happened mm-hmm. you know um or at least you you kind of you can sort of serve something in a way that that uh, it feels um sort of completely purely uh as one thing you know mm-hmm. so I, I think it's it's a very strong thing to use in music nostalgia and I, and I agree it is a very nostalgic uh, lyric I think it deals with everything from forming a band and and from being young and you know all these things um together and relationships and the, the theme sort of continues in like making friends as well yeah exactly it's you have a recording. Is that kids from your old school or yes. my? That is. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I must have read that somewhere at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So like, we've used do, those do you kids, tend to dwell um, a lot? 
Sorry, yeah. We've used those kids on a lot of songs. Uh, they're different kids every time, but they're always from that same school. Like on Sometimes Life Isn't Easy and uh, on that song. and yeah, White Lips Kissed, right? Others. White Lips Kissed, yeah. Yeah. So, Luis Luisa. Um, I, I don't think I'm speaking all by myself when I say um, I've always fantasized about the possibilities of Mew your songs being played by a full orchestra right at least ever since hearing those metallica album mm-hmm. that metallica album from the right. 90s right <laughs> um so i wonder like how did the the philharmonic project come about um we did we was just right we were approached by uh <clears throat> by copenhagen phil oh by wow. carl bia skip oh because mm-hmm. they were doing this thing they've done it with other bands too it's, it's called like a uh, 60 minute festival kind of thing they've done it with uh when saints go machine and i think lowly have done one and um, a bunch of different artists and uh i think that we said from the beginning like we we want to do it but we want to you know we want it to be different we we don't want to like just play the songs with an orchestra we want to kind of rearrange it or have someone help us rearrange it and and so we brought in this uh, composer called Carsten Fundel who is great. He's he's he does a lot of uh, scoring for films which you can really I think you can tell in his approach to it's very yeah. sort of a cinematic very musicious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He worked a bit with Efterklang as well if you know that band. Mm. Yeah. 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 So he he did a bunch of arrangements and uh, I think we did, we just had one meeting where we sort of decided on what songs could be fun to do. And uh, he had some that he really wanted to work on, like Making Friends was, he said, I, I definitely want to do that one. And uh, we we were obviously, we were working on the new album and I think we were a little bit taken aback with, we, we kind of thought we would be done with the album by then. So we thought we'd have more time to rehearse and all that. So it was a little bit kind of, I remember we were quite nervous uh, and a little like we kind of had our heads in many places at once. But uh, I think we we did really well with it, and and uh, I'm really happy that we were able to to make these recordings. It's kind of a a, a mix of diff like uh, the drums and and bass are all from the concerts uh, because Johan and Silas they didn't uh, they didn't um, participate in the in the record we did like a studio recording day just in the same room the day after uh but uh, they didn't need to do the drums and bass because they were quite loud or like i think the bass was di'd so it was mostly about like isolating different sections and obviously the vocals uh, i did um a bunch of takes and and uh, also uh my wife did some some harmonies and like she did on the live show but uh, mm-hmm. we also overdub some of that so it's kind of it's kind of fun it's like i when i listen to it i don't know which is what is from the actual live recording and and what is from the studio uh i, I think they did a really good job with the mixing of it it was a it was a cool experience i've i've you know it was uh i really happy with how especially the songs that he really changed a lot because I think those are the most interesting ones where he really kind of rearranged the timing and 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 everything in it. 
even though it was a bit confusing <laughs> to remember like oh now you yeah. pause for two bars yes. and then you come back like, oh, oh right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but uh oh yeah especially on satellites there's yeah. quite a big and water slides gap as well between yeah yeah, yeah. Did you have like a special click track to remind you where to come in or how does it work? No, no, I didn't. But I had a, I had like this system. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had to write the lyrics. Uh, I had them on like, a, you know, I, this kind of classical thing that, I, what do you call that? Where you put the the notes, the the music. Music stand? Music stand. Yeah, exactly. I had a music stand with just some, some papers with the the lyrics in the places that I knew were tricky and then I had the system with like drawing a solid box if it was like a, a, a full bar and like I had you know I had this system with boxes that I could uh, count in my head mm-hmm. but I still managed to to screw it up a couple of times but uh, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was it was great it was really cool how yeah. long did it take for uh you guys to pull that all together from like start to finish. Well, that's the thing we we like because it's it's expensive with a full orchestra and everything. So sure. we actually only had, I think we only had we had two days of rehearsal. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! And uh, we we obviously we had the arrangements, the MIDI arrangements, so we could sort of like play back to these kind of crappy look sounding uh, sample strings. Oh. So we we could sort of get an idea of it, but. Uh, but yeah, everything, uh, and also the the choir stuff. We we kind of we had to do it very quickly, you know, in the end. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think it uh, I think it turned out right. Yeah, I know this is kind of off the Louisa Louisa question, but what was your favorite out of that album? Like listening to uh, it, and like what was your favorite? Like how how it was arranged, how everything sort of fit. I quite like. I'm really happy with Envoy. How that turned out. Yes, yeah, yes. that was that's, my that's favorite too. My, yeah. Also actually... because it's a song that we we haven't played live that much, and yeah. so it was really fun to 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 kind of pull that out and and sort of look at it again. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was the, my personal highlight of the night. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think "Carry Me yeah. to Safety" is mine. Only like the the beginning opener is yeah. just so whimsical. <laughs> I don't know why there there's there's it's there's a part of me that sort of reminds me of like Beauty and the Beast. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. The, like there, it just sounds like <laughs> such a Disney whimsical sort of like bluebirds in a forest sort of opening. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very sweet. Um, it's so good. It's, it's yeah. the reason it's so short is that, is that when we gave them, we, we knew we wanted to have one new song and I thought it'd be fun with that one because it has all these modulations in in key. Yeah. So we, but we, all we could give them was this the demo we had at the time. Oh and then, wow! And th- oh. and then we didn't re- we didn't really think about it anymore. But then obviously we we kind of added more stuff to the song. But we didn't. Yeah. We, we everyone just forgot that we <laughs> that that wasn't part of it. So oh. so so when when he brought us the music, it was like, oh my god, it doesn't have the ending. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, that, this is all I had. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's uh, yeah. So we just so covered that, that song, of... so we were kind of wondering about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> practical explanation for what happened because we yeah. were like speculating of artistic reasons <laughs> for leaving things mm, yeah. out. And... <laughs> I was thinking maybe it was just because you didn't have a guitar there, so you didn't play the guitar solo thing. That's why. Oh right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. 
Amazing. Yeah, right. but it's oh, it kind of works like that too. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I think it works well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Were there any songs that didn't make the cut for yeah that you would have liked to see in this? It was really. I think a lot of that was Carsten kind of honing in on what he felt most, uh, you know, was most exciting to work with. And we kind of really wanted him to feel free in that regard. And also with the, with the arrangements, we didn't want to sort of limit him. And uh, I think that uh, it's, I think they, he was being a little, I think that they kind of talked amongst themselves and they were a little careful with some of the songs because they also didn't want to, alienates the audience too much or like the, at least some of the songs the, the arrangements themselves are, are kind of similar to the album versions and mm-hmm. those are I, I think those are great too but my favorites are the ones where they really did something new with, mm. with the songs you know yeah so but I, I really have to give him most of the credit for all of that because I we we, we were, of course we listened to what he was doing but it was kind of like his his uh thing and, and we didn't interfere that much you know with that okay all right let's uh dig into the classic version of the song yeah. then the the one everyone have been familiar with for years um so we touched upon it a little bit in the episode that obviously comforting sounds is your your massive hit and your your massive you know the song the epic song that finishes everything right um so obviously Luis Luis and some fashion had to live up to quite a re- reputation at that point yeah. when when kites was coming out um did you like was was it a big was the the intention to like try and live up to comforting sounds or did it just kind of grow organically or like how did the song come about do you remember I d- we didn't specifically write it for the ending uh, we knew it was going to be towards the ending because most of the album was kind of planned out in the demo stage the mm-hmm. order of songs going into each other but we knew that there was going to be a little bit of a break at the end uh, we had we had some logical reason for that which I don't remember now we, we certainly had our own kind of logic <laughs> at the time but uh, it, it is a you know it. I'm, I'm really happy it, it ended the album um, we actually wrote it uh, a bit like a, I can't remember when it was, but we did the session in Copenhagen with uh, with Jon Schumann, who was also he engineered uh, the Fringers album or, or at least uh, some of it. Joshua, and, right? Uh, we, yeah, exactly, Joshua. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's a great producer uh, and and engineer and and everything, uh, and he was also our our sound guy for many years. But we did this session just like loose demos. Uh, one of those was uh, uh, "In Time Do You Forget." Uh, was yeah. that that recording is from that session, and uh, and we also did a, a version of Louisa before it became Louisa. It had parts of the song, but didn't have it. wasn't chained in with that other part. And then, amazingly, on the day that we were doing that session, we were suddenly asked if we could perform on this TV show called Godmorgen Denmark and uh, oh, yeah. we were like oh what should we play let's let's play one of the new like one of the let's play an unfinished song <laughs> and then and then we actually played Luisa like uh, Godmorgen Denmark I, I'm not huh. sure how it sounded but uh, but that was uh, 
that was the kind of premiere of that song. I don't think many people remember. But uh, oh then, man, then... there's gonna be a hunt on the internet now. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, come on down, Mark. In 2005. Yeah, I can tell you a little bit about the song. I think the song deals with, uh, you know, kind of reinventing yourself. Uh, it was inspired by someone I know uh, who completely turned her life around after uh, something really bad happened to her and um she changed her name and uh mm. just became a different person it was like part of her healing process you know mm. okay and uh and that was an inspiration for me but that song is about so many different things as well and it it, it when we recorded it it was a really dark time in in my life personally so um mm. it was it was quite uh it was really heavy to to finish that song for for me at least you know but uh, I think for everyone else as well really it was just kind of the sort of the darkest moment in the in the making of that record I think okay wow yeah. so I think I think a lot of people have this emotional connection to the song and they might not quite understand why yeah 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 you know I I I don't know if it's if it's it's necessarily just a if if their connection to it kind of comes from like a musical standpoint like just sort of like the way the chords are arranged like it sort of like evokes a very strong emotion or if they or if listeners sort of perceive something deeper that they can't explain yeah well i think um and i think i think your explanation sort of kind of gives a bit to that yeah yeah absolutely I think so. I mean, that we're sort of feeling it vicariously. Yeah, I think that you, when you experience, when when you listen to music, uh, you you kind of, I th- I think that's the, the you know that's part of the magic with music is you can express things that you you couldn't maybe put into words. Really, you can just express them emotionally uh, through music, and 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 people respond to it. You know, it was a tough like I was really it was hard for me to accept that the the last take of the vocals because it was very uh fragile and you know the pitch is is quite bad and stuff like that so for me it was like I, we can't keep that and Michael was just like no that's that's the one we're keeping that's it you know <laughs> yeah so okay you know yeah we got a lot of uh friends interaction on that episode there was a lot of people sharing their uh, stories uh, relating to that song so it's right. definitely one a big favorite amongst friends uh yeah everyone seems to have some kind of uh, connection to it so yeah yeah, yeah. Even i'm kind of getting like a little bit like choked up right now oh my god so, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i know when we went through <laughs> the episode it, i i had a hard time like keeping yeah, my composure keeping it together. because that i mean that that was the song that basically made me into the type of fan i am now right because yeah. just watching you on the stage performing the the part i'm in a car i don't know where we headed for it that like pierced through my soul in a way that I can't even describe. Right. So, yeah, mm. that that was that was really affecting my soul in a deep way, so. Yeah. That was on the on the Copenhagen Phil version. That was really uh tricky or at least it was it was it was but it was kind of freeing in a way as well because they just started playing this drone there 
and there aren't really any uh, core changes in that version. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of the, the conductor and me looking at each other. And he kind of like nodding at me like, no, now you sing again. And then I, you know, because uh. I, I had nothing to steer steer from, you know, nobody was changing chords or like, I just like, uh, okay. Yeah. So the, huh. I like this, the looseness to that, the breaks, you know, in between uh, the pauses. So, yeah, it, it feels quite good. Yeah, that's my that's my fa- favorite song from the album. I, I like the Envoy the most when I saw the show live. But on the I was album, just gonna it was say, Louis did you Louis say you liked Envoy? Yeah, but that All was right. yeah, that was live on the album. It was Louis Louis. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, cool. I think the whole Kites album is just like a rock and roll show off album, and then it's. <laughs> It's like, I know you kind of get yeah, hit in the face with this brick yeah, which called is, Luis Luisa. Which is like a, a total change of pace by the end. Like, yeah, very melancholic. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we've covered it. I, I don't have anything. There's nothing to to, to that. It's a, uh, yeah. Great song. Great song. Yeah. Oh, thank um, you. So, how does. So, I know Luis Luisa ties into In Time Do You Forget. Mm. How. How is that relationship established? Is it sort of like two sides of the same coin or did you just really like the, the dig yourself out, uh, dig out yourself from rubble and sort of inserted that into a new song? Yeah. I, I, I thought at least some of those lyrics that the ones that we, we kept and, and, and the part itself really fit well to the ending. I like how that song just goes so many different places. You know, that's, that is really I, I, the songs that we have. The, my favorite songs that we've done are are probably the ones that kind of twist and turn the way that that Luis Luisa does, and also Am I Right? Even though they're totally different, but I just like a song where you it starts out and it ends somewhere completely different, and you don't know yeah. where it's going to take you. You can't really predict what's going to happen, you know, and that that is. Uh, that's what I like in music, basically, when I listen to other bands and and music in general. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think another thing that I had mentioned on the episode was that um, in time, do you forget? Kind of felt like a like an acceptance. Yeah. Um. Of of, yeah. of where you are. It's um, kind of like a time heals so, all wounds kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when so when you were explaining how Luisa Luisa was inspired by someone you knew and how they sort of revet, reinvented themselves, it kind of um, answers the question of who are the characters in the line, hey, I love what you have done with yourself. Yeah. Because I was going to ask if, you know, who are they? Are they anyone that you know? And that kind of answers that. And it's, it gives me like a whole new appreciation for In Time Do You Forget and yeah. Luisa Luisa as well. Yeah, there's definitely a sense of, to me, there's in both songs, there's there's a sense of loss, you know, as well, and uh, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's it's a, such a weird that the recording kites was really a, a it was a. It was a great experience, but it wasn't always like super joyful. <laughs> it mm. was a, there was a lot of yeah. a lot of stuff happening in our in our lives at the time. That was kind of you know. Yeah, I suppose you can hear that as well in the songs. You know, it's a pretty dark album. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's definitely my favorite album of yours. But it's yeah. like 
that's part Same. of why I love it so much as well. Just like the whole mood of it, you know. It's so, exactly. Yeah, it's so perfect yeah. to listen to, like in a uh, at, at night time. As I mentioned in the episode when we covered Luis Luisa, I love to just drive in the dark and listen to the album. Mm. It just yeah, so it's a perfect uh, mood, you know, setting for that album. So right. yeah, it definitely yeah. evokes nighttime feelings. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I uh, and it was my first Mew album, so that kind of holds a special place in my mm-hmm. heart. So, uh, mm-hmm. but do we should we maybe expect the same sort of treatment for this as we got with uh, Fringers? Maybe. What do you uh, oh for Kite like doing having a tour? like a like an anniversary? Yeah, like or a yeah. tour or an anniversary album. Uh, I think you know Kites was put out on vinyl for the first time pretty recently yeah 2016 yeah Yeah. and uh and i think that it it, it's a pretty it's i think it's a pretty good mastering and and it's it sounds good so i don't know what we could add like uh except maybe i I don't think there are that many outtakes from those sessions because we kind of used them all by now like as b-sides and Thing. so i don't, right, yeah. i don't think we would have i mean we even we even put out a dvd about the making of it which is mm-hmm. already out you know yeah so i don't really f- know what we could add but maybe i don't know maybe we'll just reissue it and put it all together or something i don't know well would you would you ever consider doing a tour yeah maybe i don't know it it uh, i know I really... that i know that album i know it might be a little bit difficult yeah um We've Given never the vocals are a little bit higher. No, no, it's they're not really higher than than what we do nowadays. Um, the one song that I would be nervous playing is one that we never really managed to play well live. Is the seething rain weeps for you? Mm. Yeah. Oh. yeah, we've actually we've never we've never played it live because it's so it's such a weird it's so bombastic and so kind of fragile at the same time and and it just we never were able to really play it well live i don't think or like in the practice space it just didn't sound right maybe we could we could probably we could probably get it working but back then it was like our logic told us like nah this is not we shouldn't you know we shouldn't attempt to do yeah. this live yeah that's that's like a that's like a, a dream of mine to see that yeah. song live but that's just yeah. my thing yeah but also I think same with uh, with uh, a dark design. I think you've played live, have you? Or I've never what, seen it. Which but... one? Sorry, a uh, dark design. Oh yeah, uh, we have actually played it um, in a very sort of different version. No, have we? No, okay. maybe, maybe we just talked about <laughs> doing. Let me just think. No, okay. no, I'm sorry, I'm confusing it with something else. No, we never played it live. You're right. Uh, okay, yeah. I that was always one of my kind of. Th- favorites I, I i think i like that song more than anyone else in the band but uh mm-hmm. i just i think it's i think that we talked a lot about it just being eights all the way through and it, it being kind of a little bit like wherever you know like just kind of ding 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 mm-hmm. you know like that kind of tempo and yeah i think that we felt it was or some people at least felt that it was kind of too monotonous for for live sitting in and, and it is. It is. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but then you could, uh, you could go into uh, save it such jazz ballet like you do on the album. Yeah, sure. Make it like a yeah. like one song. Yeah, I guess absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that song. It's it's definitely one of my favorites yeah. from that album. So 
Yeah, same here. Yeah. Maybe it could be yeah. rearranged a bit in the same way that you've rearranged new terrain in the yeah. was in fourteen sure. you introduced like a a new new take on that song. Yeah. I think we've done that in a f- few different ways, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like two or three yeah. different ways. Yeah. I feel like we should just stick with seething rain here now that we've yeah. skipped ahead here. Um right. yeah. so there's a haiku in the song. Is that intentional? No. In seething I, rain. I wasn't I was not aware of that. Is where's the haiku? Whoa. <laughs> that was Heather who found that. It's an accidental haiku. Is it the is it is it the bridge part? Yeah, the yeah. destruction hands thing. Yeah. It's a yeah. five seven five. With destruction hands and low lit okay. snow becoming winter yeah, right. body aches. Right. Hmm. Oh. That was just uh maybe it was subconscious. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I don't know anyone who's ever subconsciously written a haiku, but congratulations <laughs> no. you did yeah. it. <laughs> I I d de- I definitely don't remember thinking about doing a haiku, so I doubt that it was a conscious decision. Definitely. Right. Okay. Huh. Oh, cool. We'll spot it. We'll spot it. Yeah. It was entirely in- it was entirely intentional. Just like uh, yeah, planned it all out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I feel like I feel like Otva, you're you're the man to ask this one. <laughs> yes, yeah. please. <laughs> How do you pronounce Uda Pruda? <laughs> like that, um, right? I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you where the name comes from. Uh, okay. My my dad used to have this uh, little kind of editing studio. It was like part of his his job, and uh, they actually did some some. They ended up doing some some soundtrack stuff in his studio. Like it was just in our house. It was like a little room in our house uh, when I was a kid, and they actually did some of the music for a Lars von Trier film there called Epidemic. Mm. And uh, and they they coded the, this DX7 keyboard, um, the Yamaha DX7. It's a very famous keyboard. It's like it's very widespread. Everyone had it in the 80s. And so he he kept that keyboard, and it had some of those sounds on it. But anyway, that's actually not part of the story. But this, the part of the story is that I was when I was a kid. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with FM synthesis. It's a very complicated. Uh, way of synthesis it 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 is basically like you you turn a knob and it completed you can't really it's so complex that you can't uh, kind of predict what kind of sound you're getting so when I was a kid we just sit and kind of program these sounds and uh, call them weird names I remember one of them was called uhuge, which mm-hmm. means uh, uh, yeah. scary thing or whatever yeah. and then one was called Udapruda and it was like this weird kind of really kind of crazy annoying sound but if you kept uh, plucking if you if you kept uh, hitting the keys the sound would never like fully develop huh. and, it, and and it was just this weird kind of uh, ambient sound that's actually on the, the record after seething rain is right this little yeah. passage yeah and that's what we call uda pruda it's not part of the of seething rain it's like an intermission between or like a little interval in between you know yeah mm. So, um, so that that is why we called it that. Cool. It just made sense somehow. Yeah. No, that that's excellent. I just assumed it, it doesn't was really like mean a, anything. No, okay. I just assumed it was a name because I think Uda is a German name, like a girl's name in Germany. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was just I, I assumed it was a female name. Uh, okay. 
right? Oh, I think it's then it's it's uh, spelled U T E Ute. Oh, okay. Yeah, that might be all right. Yeah. Okay. I have a very good friend called Ute actually. Okay. From Berlin. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Um, kind of getting a little bit late. Um, but let's just uh, let's just take some quick ones here. I can see Twist Quest. We don't yeah. have a lot to ask about there, uh, but it's the episode after Luis Luisa. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, how far into the song process did you come up with saxophone parts? I had to read that out loud. I don't think I wrote that question. I wrote that one because uh, I was kind of curious because it it feels like uh, the saxophone came in to like kind of add on to something, a good song, but then wanted to take it to the next level or something. That's how it felt to me to, with the te- saxophone. I was that like... Or did you have the intention, uh, intention of bringing in saxophones from the beginning? Um. No, for the the song started out with just uh, me and I was playing like a bass synth and uh, Silas was playing drums and we just kind of jammed uh, for a while and then we from that jam we cut together we like we found different pieces that we really liked and then of course we sort of worked on it um, but it I don't know I just thought it was it was kind of like just a, a really f- funky, weird little number. Mm-hmm. And uh, pretty pretty early in the process, we talked about putting saxophone on it um, yeah. and making it even funkier. Yeah, yeah it really works. <laughs> it's, cool. a, it's, a, it's a very strange song. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a very strange it. uh, <laughs> funk mm-hmm. song. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's... It was. It came like he was great. Mike was neat. Said we had him play on on a bunch of songs on the album. He was. He oh, was great. Okay. So so talented. You know, he's yeah. Norwegian. Yeah, yeah, I I read that on uh, some somewhere. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. So moving into she came home for Christmas again for a little bit. Mm. Uh, we obviously touched upon it in the beginning. Um, a couple of short questions, I suppose. Uh, but yeah. feel free to to dwell on them if you if you prefer. Sure. So the triumph version of the song. Yeah. Is there any relation to uh, "Soft as Snow" by My Bloody Valentine? Um. Hmm. That no. What? 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 What do you mean? I, 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 I'm guessing you're familiar with with the song. Sure. It's called "Soft as Snow, but Warm Inside," right? Is that mm-hmm. the full yes. title? Of it? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. the full title. True. Yeah, that's me misremembering. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> what is uh, what 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 rem- what is it about that? How do you draw the parallel? I don't know. I think it's the. Um, it's that I, I'm not. Um, I don't. I'm not the musician. About it's like offbeat, sort of like right. it's very like. I think in the episode I described it's like, ugh, 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 like it's <laughs> yeah. moving very awkwardly, like a cat vomiting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. There you go. <laughs> Is that violent part uh, or the the yeah, string section it, in, yeah. in the first verse? I think it it feels ah. like it uh, on on your on on your first version of "She Come Home." Um, it's just yeah. the way you it's have played, that sort of right. same movement or whatever you want to call oh, it. Oh, there's like a p- more pizzicato or something like that. Yeah, I guess Maybe that's beautiful. I'll use that word I, from now on. Pizzicato. I'll actually, I'll actually have to hear it again. That version I haven't listened to it for years, to be honest. Right. Uh, I don't really hear a big similarity myself, but I I I, I see what you mean. Like, uh, but uh, I mean, it probably it's not it, like super intentional or anything. But it's probably is it like just the, 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 the strings, or, the, the style yeah. that the strings are playing in, or 
Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's I, I, I think that's. I think that's what I'm. I'm it's hearing. It's just I like just, kind it's... of abrupt, like dip, 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 like that. Is that yeah. what you mean? Or yeah. 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 No, I think. I that's... guess I just always found it super awkward and weird and off-putting right. in some way, <laughs> especially because I quite came from Fringers first. I didn't, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, right. Yeah. Triumph wasn't available to most people in back in those days, so then suddenly hearing this version of it is like, what is going right. on here? Yeah. And then later on learning that you know you were obviously very inspired by Bloody Valentine and, right. and a friend of mine sent this song to me. Like, oh, I love this song. You should listen to this. And it's soft as snow, but warm inside. And I something just clicked. Right, like oh, this must be like an obvious. But it right. seems it, it, it. I think I got my answer. Uh, that's a no. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I don't. Okay. I think if I. I think one song that reminds me of uh, my bloody Valentine on that album is probably wherever. Yeah. Uh, is, mm-hmm. I think yes. it's, it's oh, the yes. most yep. bloody yes. Valentiny song on that album. But yes. I love that song. I don't. I don't. I, did, at least I don't remember anything about. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't actually remember anything about that string recording. <laughs> to be honest, it's crazy. But I, I don't remember. Yeah. I think I think uh, Soma Elpes was playing cello on it, and then she had some friends who played violin. That's I remember her at least. Okay, she was playing on it. All right. She was in a band called Trains and Boats and Planes uh, in Denmark, together with Nikolai Nørlund. Okay. Do you know how many were playing the strings? So many. I, th- I think we only had we had like two. Okay. Two violins and one cello, and then they kind of overdubbed themselves a couple of times. Okay, as I remember, mm-hmm. but I might be completely wrong. I, I it's so long ago. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's <laughs> over twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, last question to to she came home for Christmas. Was it written to be a Christmas song? Was that the intention yes. from the start? Uh, well, it was kind of like a. Yeah, I mean, the intention was to mix together these two very unlikely subjects. Yeah. Um, in I, like, yeah, it's it's hard to describe the thought process. Really, I don't want to say too much about it. Really, but uh, no. but yeah, we knew it was gonna it, we knew it was gonna be about Christmas from the beginning. Yeah, Christmas is a very sort of melancholy time for mm-hmm. many people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something melancholy about it and I don't know why but it's it's a bit I think it's because when you grow older it reminds you of childhood and uh, mm. something maybe you, you like a part of you that you lost you know that yeah mm-hmm. so yeah I mean that's uh, as good as answer as anything I think yeah, yeah. Right. but it's cool to know that it was actually intentional um, it's, it's something I personally wondered about um, yeah right but I, f- I think that's Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I don't know why. I, I want to get to some of the, the later questions after the songs as well. So uh, let's just move to our next episode here. We um, released, what's it, last week? I've already forgotten. New Terrain slash Nervous. Yeah. Which right. in one one some way is kind of the same song, but not. Um, yeah. Um. I think that I actually want to. I, I I listened to that episode. and I remember quite clearly because it was the last one I heard. And uh, I want to correct the <laughs> the time meter in it. It's <laughs> actually in both uh, new terrain and in nervous. The the trick to it is that it it interchanges between a a clean four four and then goes into f- uh, five four. 
Okay. Huh. So there's like twice there's four four, and then there's the th- every third time it's five four. And that's okay. what gives it uh-huh. this kind of weird jolting, unexpected uh, movement to it, uh-huh. and gotcha. it kind of goes for for both versions. Yeah. And I guess maybe and, you know there's there's uh, some accents too in between that kind of make you think that there's a new time signature change, but there's not. Well, there is. I mean, it, it does go. There is that extra beat every third round, which kind of you you it kind of makes it stagger a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I appreciate kind of, that. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and also, I want to say about the lyrics. Um, you know, obviously, nervous is pretty easy. It's pretty easy to tell what that song is about. It's kind of straightforward. Yeah. And uh, it was. It felt like a simple song. Uh, I just wrote it on, on the piano and with the, like a bass synth and vocals, and we never actually recorded that song. Uh, I I actually finished the recording for for your mixtape just because oh. I always oh. wanted to. Wow. I wow. I always wanted to have like a straight version of that. Uh, huh. But uh, when I played it backwards, we just immediately felt it had this urgency to it. And it's true yeah. what what Anne said about the lyrics. It's 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 much more uh, you know surreal. But I do think that there is something to be said for you know obviously it wasn't just you played it backwards and those were the words. It was kind of a choice you had to sort of interpret. I had to interpret what I was singing. So I think that there is some composition in the lyrics, even though it's not, even though it's within a sort of a, a, a frame, you know. I, to me, they're not, they're not meaningless. They, they do, per, you know, they do convey some kind of a message or feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I think it's interesting to work in those ways where you're kind of limiting yourself, uh, like, you know, like for instance, to limit yourself in like you can only use three different chords or you can only do this and that because you it forces you to think creatively in other ways that you that you wouldn't if you had all the choices in the universe, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, that's that's kind of what I like about it. And I, I just thought it had this. Uh, I mean, with Nervous, there wasn't really much that anyone else could add to it. It was just it would just be what it was but with uh, playing it backwards it gave Silas a chance to to add his things to it and it, it gave Bo a chance to I mean we, t- we also the chords became a lot more sort of convoluted uh, in the recording mm-hmm. so um, so I I mean I, I do prefer New Terrain but I also like Nervous it's it's a I like that it's so kind of straightforward and, and simple and, and still important you know or has an important message to me anyway mm. I, I think it's an important uh, yeah. thing to to say so on the episode on new terrain whilst I was mentioning how uh, Matthias Fries Hansen plays additional marimba kalimba and percussion I completely skipped over the fact I have no clue what a kalimba is now we've co- we've all since googled it um, would you mind telling us a bit about it there are many different kinds. We 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 uh, like, like there's the African kind and the many different African kinds, and then there's the Japanese uh, kind of it, uh, kalimba as well. Hmm. I okay. can't remember what what uh, Silas was using. Okay, so it was Silas that played it. Yeah. Okay. Where was it played yeah. in the song? Because we were trying to listen for it and we couldn't locate it. 
I think it's towards the end when when the chords start to get more sort of blurry. Mm. Okay. Like the 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 changes become more sort of uh, hidden somehow. You know. All right. Well, I guess my ears are gonna go on a scavenger hunt. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna have to listen <laughs> to that and, and try to figure it out. Yeah. So in uh, episode eight, when we discussed she came home for Christmas, there was a little um, should we call it an Easter egg? By the end of it, I think we can spoil that now, in form of a a little mixtape. Yeah, it's so trendy these days to make mixtapes, and I don't really understand what it is. Like you see artists putting out mixtapes, and I'm like, is it their own music, or is it just like music they like? And sometimes it's one or the other, and I just like the idea of and it's such a weird word to use as well because it's obviously not a tape you know Mm -hmm. but uh i just like i I love the idea of it it's very retro and it reminds me of cassette tapes and Mm. we had this whole we have this huge uh, collection of of weird little snippets and things we've done over the years that that have never been used for anything so i thought you know why not uh, try and put together like a little radio transmission uh of these things and uh and that's that's what i sent to you guys and uh, mm-hmm. happy that it, it finally could be listened to by someone and we are definitely glad as well yeah yeah a lot of people have appreciated the the hidden track at the end of the episode it's uh, one oh, yeah. of our cool. most listened to episodes so yeah Oh yeah, I uh, I I've got some friends on uh, my Instagram and Twitter, and just kind of coming across their their tweets or whatever, they're like, "Oh my god, have you listened to this episode? Mm-hmm. Oh my god!" And they're like mm-hmm. freaking out, and I'm like, hey. <laughs> yeah, "Yeah, it it was very effective." <laughs> yes, yes. Right. the episode's crap is super unrelated, <laughs> but hey, we've got a great ending. Yeah. <laughs> right, so uh, in the last episode, we covered uh, Kermit's safety and. Um, this is also covered on the mixtape in a short and early version. Right. Was this the same uh, the same version that you sent to Copenhagen Phil? Yes. Uh, no, actually not. It was this, uh, the demo I put on this was like the very first demo. It was actually just, I, I was in, I was in New York uh, in, I think it was 2010, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I just uh, had this idea, and I back then the the tempo of it kind of was just more, you know, kind of fluctuating as well. Like yeah. I, I wanted it to be sort of completely liquid, like the scale would change and the tempo and the wobbliness of that, you know. And then when we played it as a band, it it, it didn't really work that well, especially with drums. It, it just became sort of like it, it didn't work to have the tempo go up and down that much. So right. uh, so we changed that. But this is like just the first recording of just that one part, you know. We didn't have a I didn't have a chorus or anything. I just had that that mm-hmm. part that I liked. Yeah. Okay. So so that's the very first recording of of that that I sent you guys. The the demo that we gave to Copenhagen Phil that was uh like the early writing sessions and we just we had the we knew what the chorus was going to be, but we didn't have a full arrangement of the song. So Okay. That's why mm-hmm. they, they they were never given the chance to, to write the full arrangement. Oh, I see. Right. Uh, I'm also curious about the the visuals versions of version of it. Uh, who plays the guitar on that? Is that Mas Veino or who is it? it it's uh yeah I I play 
we both play kind of the same role um, on on like a, an old Jaguar. Mm. I played on an old Jaguar, and he plays on another guitar. So they okay. kind of we mix we we mix them together. But I think it's mostly him you can hear in the in the mix. Okay, cool. Right. It's a pretty tricky. It's a pretty tricky role to play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he he does a good job of it. Yeah, he does. Yeah. There's so as you mentioned before, there's a lot of key changes that that happen in the verse. Um, yeah. Was that intentionally done? Was that sort of you sort of kind of having a domino effect on how chords relate to another, or was it just how did that come about? It was something I I uh, I, I I remember that I, I composed this piece of music many years ago. That would just be the same loop all over, over and over again, but every, at every, like every loop, it would go up one fifth. Okay, so then, I was know, right. <laughs> yeah, right. But then it was like when it goes up the fifth, then when some of the instruments started being like a really high uh, octave, I would just turn them down an octave, you know, so that they kept meeting somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And I thought I thought there was something really magical about that, and that is. I'm not quite sure it's it, that is exactly what we're doing there, or at least all the way through. But uh, but there's just something interesting about how you can. I don't know. I I mean I I don't I don't I don't want people to really notice the the scale changes. I just want them to feel it. You know. Yeah, it's very slight. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, like for me, you know, I I like to play a lot of these songs on piano, and I play by ear, so I. Right. I guess, like, in a sense, I don't really have a choice but to listen to it. Um, sure. You know, and then we come on here and we were discussing the song, and I'm literally spending half the night before and all the morning of, and I'm just like, there's a puzzle to how the chords relate to one another, and I can't figure it out until eventually I sort of did, um, and it kind of was uh, a lot like poetry, how, like, lines one and three rhyme and how two and four rhyme. And you kind right. of mimicked that same formula with one another, yeah. and and I was like, wow, that is that's freaking cool. If they did that, if they did that, uh, you know, intentionally, that's amazing. Accidentally, yeah. that's even more awesome. So. <laughs> <laughs> like how you accidentally wrote a haiku, <laughs> right? Well, it's like I I don't I don't I mean, we didn't. It, it's not that uh, you know I. I I don't feel like I have a certain system. I I know that like the first chorus is one semi note lower than the second chorus, and then at the end there's again the fifth modulation. But it is just about where they meet. You know, like the if if the verse had been one bar longer, they, it would have been some other like. But so there is a system to it. But it it's not like a, a thought out system. You know, right, it's just okay. kind of whatever whatever worked. You know, for for the song at the time sort of like yeah so sort of like throwing things at a wall and just kind of see how it how yeah. it happens yeah okay exactly that's great um i have a quick question that yep. going back to new terrain um are you a good right. clarinet player uh no not at all <laughs> I I, uh, I I I do I I've used it I've actually used clarinet a lot on on some of the sort of scores I've done like uh, for little you know films and stuff and and I've I've used it a bit on Mew albums but what I usually do is I just 
I play one note at a time and I look at the tuner at the same time to see if I'm hitting the note kind of. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. most people, when they play the clarinet and they're not hitting the note, they just kind of breathe differently and then they get it. Yeah. But I, I can't I, I can't do that. I have to actually adjust the, the length of the barrel to hit the really? note, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how bad I am. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I was a I was a clarinet major uh, for a while in college. I played from like fifth grade until college. Um, so I was I was really curious about that. Right. But yeah, like there, there's a certain way that you can kind of adjust your your lower part of your mouth um, and yeah. the muscles sort of surrounding it to kind of uh, modulate the key a little bit. Yeah. And of course, you have to know how to make do the break. You know, like I, I can, I can't do the break on purpose. I, I do it by mistake. You know, but okay. <laughs> you know, when you have to like go up an octave, you know, mm-hmm. like on a you on a flute on certain flutes as well. Like that's a really tricky thing to learn. I think. Uh, but I just like I, I also I've done a lot of this stuff where I just I play one long note and then I slow it down on the tape recorder so that it becomes this kind of droney. Okay. Warm uh, sound, and it's quite a beautiful way to to use clarinets. Um, but why do you say uh, is there a clarinet on new terrain? I don't remember a clarinet on. I think new you terrain. were talking more about this the Sportmaster Part One on uh, the next tape. Oh the yeah, right. Tape thing. Yeah. 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 That that is me playing live. Uh, so you can that's you can you can sort of tell how good I am. <laughs> it sounds well, cool I though it's like a excellent. free jazz thing yeah yeah it, it was just cool. me and Silas goofing around on, yeah like, fair enough we used to have a, we, we had all the weekends off because Michael uh, he, he didn't work weekends so we just had access to the studio I did a lot of my vocals in the weekends but uh-huh. but we also had had time to goof around a lot we also did this uh, wherefore are you not there which is I don't I think you it's on Muix some you put it on a podcast once right? I'm not sure about mm-hmm. that. I like think that myself. was all there before I joined up. Right. It's probably before. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think you could, it's on YouTube somewhere. But uh, hmm. but that was also from that from those days. It's so fun to listen to you just doing things loosely instead of it being all this like polished well-produced like final material right it's i'm happy fun to that. see the behind the scenes kinds of things like that yeah yeah i had a lot of fun putting this together it's like i you know it's it's just been uh sitting there for so long so, mm-hmm. so why not so like you said, do you, do you, you know? want to take us through it a little bit we've kind of got sure. the the set list here as notes um, yeah starting with uh well, I guess we we kind of discussed whether we should do like a, a like a fringers competition, like guess the like get as many right as as possible, right, or yeah. get close to them, or something, you know, some sort of competition, whatever. Um, right. So like it'll be fun to to get the quote unquote official names of right. these uh, <laughs> snippets in there. So yeah. we open up with uh, Sportmaster Part One. Yeah. And that was just me and Silas. Uh, I don't know why we call it Sportmaster. I think it uh, because I don't know. It it was a lot of exercise doing it or something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it was just like a free jam. And actually, the the real recording of this is like 
probably like an hour long. As well. oh, wow! Oh <laughs> so I just okay. I just did I just took out two parts of it that I thought sounded pretty good. And hey, Sig Sigaros made an album of just like noise, right? So did they? Why not? Ah, yeah, maybe. like the latest album is like a. They did a road trip around Iceland, and then they just right. kind of recorded along the way, and it just sounds yeah. exactly like recording like that. Why not? An hour's it was, album? It was, no? I, so we, we toured with the Sigurós once, and uh, I met them several times after. And uh, last time I saw Jansi, he was like, I just said hi. He said, like, Jonas? I said, yeah. It's like it can't be you. You're so skinny. <laughs> and, then I, and, and then I said, like, why did I did I used to be chubby? Like, I don't. What What do you mean? Like, so I don't know. Maybe maybe he remembers me as, uh, or maybe I was. I don't know. But uh, I thought that was a funny, yeah. weird thing to say. <laughs> the first time I saw him in like ten years. Like, well, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh man, great. But he's a, he's a very talented guy. Oh, I yes. think. Yeah, Great singer. Yes. Mm, definitely. Yeah, and track number two is uh, the straight up version of "Nervous" that we just learned that you actually recorded for us. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just I, all I had was uh, the, the the piano, and actually I didn't even have a very decent piano recording. So I redid the piano, but I, I just kept the vocals mm -hmm. and and the bass synth, and then I added all the drums and percussion stuff on top we of are so honored kind of yes on. yeah for sure uh, yeah but my pleasure wow. no hours really yes <laughs> <laughs> sorry here's my fangirling coming out sorry push it back down <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that, that actually made me realize uh, well made me feel like nervous is to me uh, it's a better song than new terrain i just love the melody of it right it's so great yeah 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 thank you it, yeah it puts it a bit in a different light now that you've kind of really like revealed that oh yeah it's yeah. recorded for this so yeah it, did, it just didn't exist prior to no to will this christmas well only with like a crappy recording of a piano and and my vocals and and uh this this bass right. synth I don't even remember what what synth it was we used, but uh, mm. but that was it. It was like the demo, you know. It was we took the demo of that, we reversed it, and then we recorded on top of that. That's that's how we made new terrain, you know. Cool. And then we kind of went back and forth to a little bit to sort of choose the takes where the words would sound more like passable mm -hmm. both directions. Yeah. Right. You know? So. And then it's a happy jazz jam. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a little short snippet. Yeah. Yeah. That was just uh, us in rehearsal space some years ago, just goofing off. Yeah. But I, I just like the the, caca the cacophony of it. It's mm. quite nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it goes into the, the short uh, girl's voice from the woods. Uh, yeah. I guess it's just some, I guess, what's the recording for? Was it something in particular? Was it for a song or? It was actually a, a, a little sort of outtake uh, or just like a recording I had of Becky mm. uh, singing 
some words and then I just kind of I, I hope she won't mind that I used it <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm sure she won't. but then I just I just I just uh, stretched out with this uh, modular synth thing that kind of you know kind of stretch yeah. sample and stretch sound so it has this kind of textural atmospheric sound to it it's just like a little thing it made a really good transition into Kermit to safety. It gave me like, goosebumps when I listened to it. I was like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Right. Same. Yeah. 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 That was spectacular. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I like that demo version. When uh, when the lyrics come in sooner than on the album. And yeah. Right. And, and the tempo goes a bit slower towards the end there, as you mentioned. Yeah. But, yeah. I really love the, the sound of the guitar. On yeah. The- yeah, and it's it's kind of like we try to to make it as close as possible, but a part of the sound is also this that is so loosely played, like it doesn't really stick to a tempo. It kind of just goes yeah. wobbly up and down, you know. And and as I said, we couldn't really do that with the song. Yeah, right. So, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that we could use this for something. Yeah, and then it's the uh, water slides excerpt. Early, very different version, it says in the parentheses. Um, yeah, it's definitely yeah. very different, right? Yeah, it is very different. It's like t- it, it's pretty much completely different. But this is actually how it started. Like I just had this. I wanted to try and do a sort of abstract choir arrangement, uh, just singing different things and kind of fitted it together. And then I just started singing over that and. I put in some uh, rhythm to it, and and then I came up with the chorus, and then and then of course it, it ended up somewhere completely different. But I like how sometimes you your ideas start somewhere and then ends up completely uh, somewhere completely different. It just yeah, I think it's nice to play with approaches. It, it's never, I mean, most times when you just sit for me anyway, if I just sit down by the piano to write a song it becomes sort of limited in in the way that i don't know it, it just becomes more straightforward than than you can obtain through this kind of experimentation you know yeah and that made me notice uh, when i listened to the album version of water slides i could actually hear some of that those early parts like way back in the mix is yeah. that right yeah yeah some of the choir parts we kept yeah yeah that was really yeah. interesting. It was the eye it's just part. like little, just like it's like happy accidents, you know. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. No it's mistakes, only happy accidents. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool to hear. I think that would be a really fun remix. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I wish I should finish the whole version sometime. Yes, oh yeah. Do Maybe. it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then it's number five in the sky. The dark I and love the prof this one. up so high. <laughs> Fifth floor, Singapore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was just like I, th- I, th- I think this was the first time we ever played Singapore, mm. and we were staying in this hotel that was huge, like super high. Uh, like I have no idea how many floors were there, like fifty floors. Mm-hmm. Oh, and wow. we were really like me, me and, and Nick were kind of excited. And then we thought it was so funny <laughs> that we were staying on the fifth floor, <laughs> like out of these fifty <laughs> floors. Like, oh, it's just staying like on the fifth floor. And then he on the on the elevator, he was like, "Well, it's pretty high. Like, it's number five in the sky." <laughs> and then I thought, like, we should we should make a song out of that. And then we just recorded it 
in the elevator, not right there and then, but just like one of the other days we were there. So, so that's just from there. <laughs> okay. But I just thought it's so, it's like so typical. Like finally we get to stay in like a real skyscraper hotel, and then yeah. we stay on the fifth floor. You know, just like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and where did the nickname the professor come from? Yeah. I I don't know. I I I. I think Nick, some other people were calling him Doctor. Like maybe in, in Head Swim, people used to. I don't know how we started calling him Doctor, but uh, then I think he just, I can't remember. I think in emails at first he started, I, I just started calling him Doctor, and then he called me Professor in, in return. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Also, yeah, I... Uh, I uh, I had this habit like you know when you're signing up for things or you, you need to have things sent to you you can sort of choose mr or uh-huh. miss or mrs yeah. and then you can choose like lord or <laughs> <Right>. professor <laughs> or doctor <laughs> and I I st- started for some reason just always calling myself professor because I <laughs> I thought it was fun to receive letters to professor Jonas Pia yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was part of the, the gag yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'll never be a real professor. You know, it's too late. Uh, I you never know. Never. Yeah, professor yeah, of music, true. right? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it's yeah. Uh, My Complications, except the uh, recording Glockenspiel. Yeah. Is that something? It's, it was uh, just like a. Yeah, I don't know why I had this. I just had like on my little Zoom recorder, whatever it's called. Uh, a recording from inside the booth that uh, I can't even remember who was playing that glockenspiel on the song. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think it was me. So I just thought it was fun to hear, like, uh, yeah. you know, and you, you don't usually hear things like that that clearly. And it was just like, I just thought it sounded nice in some way. So I added it. Yeah. Yeah. It fit in there. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed hearing that one. Yeah. And then it's uh, Sportmaster Part 2. So I guess that's the same um, jam as the first one, first yeah. track. Yeah. It's very, very, very important uh, session in our career. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> most, 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 uh, most important song we've done. Sportmaster <laughs> yeah. Part 2. Yeah. Yeah, that happened in 2004. So that's pre Kites, right? So that's, I guess, or yeah. maybe during the creation of Kites or. Yeah, yeah, because we recorded Kites in, in 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think most of it. Is that why it you, was were, a long you were shaking process. afterwards? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the next one is a big surprise to me because uh, it's I Am Shaky and it says that's an early demo from 2004. So that's also from around the same mm. time. Uh, so that's uh, yeah. way earlier than I was, uh, than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah, that was just like something I recorded uh, kind of spontaneously tr- with some percussion and, and just this, uh, yeah, this fast-licking guitar acoustic. Mm. And I, I didn't really think about, about it again. And then when we were writing Sometimes Life Isn't Easy, uh, we, we needed something for the outro. We were like trying different things. And then I just pulled up this piece and like let's try and play this really slow and you know it's and, beautiful and make it much darker yeah. yes oh yeah. I, I love that one <laughs> do you have a lot of these snippets laying around still that that still haven't found a home in a song well I certainly 
put a lot of them into this thing. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I we have of course we have like endless amounts of things. I also think we have a lot that's not really that interesting. You know, just kind of like half finished uh, pre versions of things that that uh, that aren't that interesting. You know. Yeah. But, uh, well, I think we we just get fascinated by the process, you know. Mm -hmm. It's we yeah, we only sure. we only get to really see the finished product of things, you know, like which is awesome and wonderful. But you know, even though it's not really interesting to you, it kind of gives us a little bit of like an insight to 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 how things are made. Right. Yeah. 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 Of course. Gives us a look into the history of the song, you know. So yeah. 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 It's we, like some of those songs are. Just, come together over so many years you know that's also why a lot of times the subject like the lyrics are put together like you know it's kind of like a dream you know like when you're you're talking to your mom and then all of a sudden she turns into your school teacher mm -hmm. or you know like that yeah. that mm -hmm. kind of thing that's that's how i i feel about my lyrics sometimes yeah uh, and then it's uh, making friends other world version uh, yeah yeah you went to the moon or <laughs> yeah i just it was like we started recording it and then i just uh tried putting the whole recording through this effects pedal that i think was something or maybe it was like a modular synth that uh that uh, michael beinhorn had mm. and i just loved the sound of it and i for a while i i actually was like oh, i wish this is this should be how the whole we should put this on the album instead of the the real version, but uh, which I really like too. But then, yeah, it's just so eerie and weird. And yeah, kind of like yeah. far away underwater. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it has this like cute kind of like glimmery sort of feeling, like twinkling feeling in the background. Yeah. So it does definitely have that otherworldly feeling. But those those bells are just like a glockenspiel, and you know it's it's that kind of effect that just makes right. a lot out of nothing, you know, and it's, it's kind of beautiful. Now, was that <laughs> version of it somehow integrated in sensory spaces? Because I seem to remember yeah. when I picked apart the app, like I deconstructed yeah. it all to, to get all the bits out of it, and, you know. Because I do that sort oh, okay. of thing, but you hacked it. Yeah, I hacked it, <laughs> and I, I I was trying to piece together the song, you know, because the right. the pieces, the way that the app was constructed is that none of the 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 parts of the songs were all like one; they were just like layered on top yeah. of each other. And so I right. wanted to create the song because I loved the song. I didn't want to just listen to it in the app. So I was like, okay, let's let's make this happen. And then. Yeah. I found all of these these audio files, so obviously I was playing around with them, and that that seemed like that's exactly what I had heard in the app. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, we definitely we def definitely did use that on the app, and okay. somehow I don't remember if it was the whole thing or just a part of it. Mm -hmm. right. uh, Track number twelve is a recording of intro self oscillation from South by Southwest show in two thousand fifteen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I saw that clip on uh, YouTube when you went on stage. That track was played, right? Yeah. Uh, it was basically just put together from uh, like little where you you know just sampling few seconds here and there of a of a few different songs uh, of ours and uh, just played like you can sort of granulately stretch it. Uh, 
and and then that's what we did and it became this little melody and then put effects on it and and it's just kind of like uh you you start it and then it goes somewhere and you you can't really control it and that's part of the 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 interesting thing about it is like you know it's going to sound beautiful somehow but you you don't really it's kind of randomized you know yeah it was um, interesting because i i felt like i had heard it before somewhere like it sounded familiar but that's i guess that's why because it's actually from different songs in the past maybe that some, yeah different yeah. elements just like tiny little snippets sometimes just like a a second of okay. some little guitar going you know and then just all mixed together through lots of hmm. delays and reverbs and things okay but right. it's like this little fancy uh max msp thing where you can just like start things and then randomize them and and then it just kind of goes by itself and then you you just put it out you know like through the speakers or that's what we did you know and hmm. it was just a nice little intro yeah and then it goes into the last track that is again i am shaky but this time it's sung by the woman who was also singing on the album uh yeah. i don't know how you pronounce that name I don't really know either, to be <laughs> honest. I mean, it's like uh, we, yeah, I would say Mari Helkalikova, mm. but I don't know. Okay, how to pronounce it. Where's she from? Uh, Was she Swedish or no? She's. I think that she's uh, Czech. Oh, but oh, okay. it's not a Czech. But it's not a Czech name. Okay. I, I I am actually not sure where her family is from. So uh, it sounds kind of Finnish or something like that to me. Does it? Yeah, I don't. Maybe. I have no idea. It yeah. makes too much sense to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, her her husband was uh, was uh, was from the Czech Republic. So okay. But yeah, it was weird. Uh, yeah. How did just... you? How did you? Like, how did you get her to to sing on the song? How did you meet, so to speak? It was like a friend who worked with like avant-garde stuff uh, a friend of mine who was really into avant-garde music who just said this you know but she's like you can hardly get a hold of anything that she's done you know like I don't think you can you can get her albums or anything like that but she I mean she obviously recorded music but mm. you know I she's she wasn't really She's not like super famous or anything, but uh, she has a very cool voice, I think. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Yeah, but I actually, I actually completely, uh, lo- I don't really know what she's doing or if she's she's still with us, you know. So. speak on behalf of all of us when I say a big thank you to all you listeners who stuck with us on this first season of the Muex podcast. 
We're aiming to be back this March with even more episodes covering even more songs. For this, we would love some help um, to make sure you won't get sick of us telling the same news stories over and over again. We would love to hear yours. You're therefore more than welcome to send us an email with any story you may have, whether it's uh, personal or just funny. Uh, we'd love to read them. So send us an email at podcast at muex.info. That's podcast at muex.info. This way, we might even ask uh, if you would like to join us on a future episode. And uh, anyway, remember to subscribe to our podcast in uh, your favorite podcasting app. This way, you won't miss out on any future episodes. And in the meantime, if you want more Mew fandom in your life, well, um, you can find MewX on both Facebook and Twitter, or you can go to our website, MewX.info. A huge thank you to Jonas for all the stories you shared with us today. Uh, it was a true pleasure having you around and uh, really, really cool to, to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun doing this. Yeah, this has been awesome. I look forward to next season. This is quite a, a cliffhanger here, you know. It's just been a real pleasure doing this show all around. So uh, once again, thank you and goodbye. Speak to you soon. <laughs>